God is good, amen? I'm so glad that you, uh, that you all came out tonight. Praise the Lord. You didn't make me come looking for you. You know, it was a, it was a, a, a somewhat beautiful, I guess it was a beautiful day. It didn't rain. Uh, uh, I, I think it was supposed to rain at some point, and it hasn't. So, well, praise the Lord. But uh, uh, you, you can always tell hungry people when they come out uh, for, for something. You know, my wife and I were just in New York City. We went there. Uh, we flew in for uh, one day. And we flew out the very next day, amen. And so we we we, we kind of went in and went out. We just went to to, to have a quick little getaway, um, and uh, you, you know there was certain uh, there are certain places in New York City. There are certain uh, like restaurants and stuff that are that, that that have gotten quite popular, and they're not popular because even bad food even in New York City doesn't doesn't get popular, amen. So even though there's a lot of people, it doesn't make it necessarily popular. So, uh, but the places that are popular, they are nonstop busy, and they have lines out the door all day long. Does a, one time we went to one uh, many years ago, we went to the Carnegie Deli. Have you ever heard of the Carnegie Deli? And when we went to the Carnegie Deli, there was a line out the door this was at 9 30 at night we're standing outside and we had to wait like what like a half hour 45 minutes 45 minutes outside at night waiting for uh waiting just to get in and and then to get slammed right through it's like you come in and it was like eat your food quick and 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 get it uh get out of here so we can get more people in amen but uh, why do I say all that? I say all that because we're talking about, I'm talking about hunger and thirsting, amen? Hungering for the things of God. And, and you know, people that want to be there, well, uh, that really hungry, hungry for God, they'll even come out on a Saturday night and get what God has because he, he works even on Saturdays too. And aren't you glad? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, God is good. Amen. I hope you're excited for tonight's service. Tonight's service is called Fully Possessed. Hallelujah. Fully Possessed. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. But you should know better that every time, just because I, you know, I, I like to play with the words sometimes, and, and that's how the Lord deals with me too, and that's how it comes. So, so when we're talking about being fully possessed, now in, in essence we're not talking about being possessed by demons and stuff like that, although you could get that out of today's message, it could not, you couldn't get possessed. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. So, so don't go running out here, oh my gosh, the pastor even said we get possessed by listening to this sermon. Glory to God, but no, that's not the case, but we're not going to worry about all that. That's not going to be the thing, because really what it's being, we're, we're talking about being possessed by is being possessed by God, amen? And that's the focus of today's message. So the opposite of that is true. If you don't want to be possessed by God, you could open yourself to all those other things. I just want to be possessed by God. I'm assuming you do too, too. otherwise you would not have come out on a Saturday night for church. But glory to God, and, and let's just face it, you know, when we understand what church is all about, even Saturday night shouldn't be hard for us because we understand that it's just another way of connecting with God. Amen. And so it's not hard to partake of the things of God. It's not extra chores. Sometimes, you know, we don't get a lot of time off and I understand that, but heck, we're not here that long anyways. You know what I mean? In life in general. Praise the Lord. So, well, praise God. Hallelujah. So we're, we're going to get into being fully possessed tonight. Amen. Glory to God, and, and I am excited for this message because I believe the Lord has given me a lot of stuff, and so I hope I'm, I, I, you know, I, I hope you're as hungry as I am. I hope that you're that you're desiring to hear from God. You know, we have to desire to hear from God, despite the preacher, despite whoever's in the pulpit. Amen. And God will speak to us in that place. But uh, uh, we're we're gonna uh, the first two scriptures. I'm actually just gonna pull them up. I'm not gonna have you turn there, and I'm just doing that for time's sake because I want to be able to get into the rest of the message. But that shouldn't stop you from writing these scriptures down and going to them later to make sure I didn't lie to you. Amen? But we're going to pull it up on the screen just in case. Whoa, that's that's really big and possessed. Amen? That screen was fully possessed with the words fully possessed. Hallelujah. But uh, the first scripture we're going to turn to or we're going to see is Psalm 24, 1 through 2. Actually, Psalm 24, 1 is really all I want to do. And it says, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world and those who dwell in it. I love that. The earth is the Lord and all it contains. Amen. You know, some versions, if, you, if you're more familiar with an older version, uh, you know, it'd say the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, and I, that's the way that I always heard it. And of course, that's fine. It's good. It's the same, similar thing. But I like, the, I, I like how this says it. And I don't know, maybe it just rings a bell in my head and, and, and just blesses me. But the earth is the Lord and all it contains. There's nothing that's here that does not belong to the Lord. Amen. And I think that is just fantastic. That's just a wonderful thing for us to understand. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is we are also in this earth just like everything else is. 
And so if we're uh, in the earth just like everything else is, and everything that the earth contains belongs to God, then who should we belong to? We should belong to God, yep. I'm glad one person knew, praise the Lord, but uh, this, is a, uh, this is a real hard test, you know. This is an open book test, though, because we have the Bible, you know, we can open it up and look at it. Praise the Lord. But, uh, the, so we, we should belong to God. But see, the wonderful thing is, is about, about, about this whole thing is that, you know, uh, this dirt that this church is built on, uh, this, this dirt belongs to God. The rocks, the stones, the wood, all the things that were used to assemble this church building, uh, all of that belongs to God. The you know, the Bible tells us that uh, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to the Lord. Glory to God. And so nothing uh, is here that isn't, in, isn't God's possession. But you want to know something that's really interesting is God has left the, their possession to him up to the individual. So God allows each one of us to decide whether or not we want to be possessed by God. Now that can work for us if we use it right, but it can also work against us if we don't partake of it right. God wants it to work for us, amen? Uh, he wants it to work in us. He wants to do wonderful things through us, but he wants us to have a choice. And why do you suppose that God wants humanity to have a choice? Because God is a God of love, and love always gives choice, amen? Now, when I'm talking about choice, I'm not talking about some things the world fights for for choice, but I'm talking about, and actually that's the guys that the devil tries to bring out. That's why pro-choice uh, in the world is, is, is just that. It, it's, 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 a, it's a deception of the devil. Amen? And so we understand that. So, and the only reason I bring that up is because I talked about choice, and it's such a hot, hot topic. You know what I mean? I don't want to. I don't want to just gloss over and say, "Well, pastor said." You know, no. Uh, but God, you know, love, true love, gives uh, gives choice on whether or not it's going to love back. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and because the, uh, how many of us could could attest to if you've ever been in a position where somebody's made you do something that you didn't want to do, you didn't feel good about it, did you? And see, that's the way our God is. He doesn't want us to look at him as the one who made us do it. He wants us to look at him as the one who gave us choice to do it, but empowers us to be able to do it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Amen? Um, and this came to me when I was, when I was kind of, you know, this came to me actually days ago. It was interesting. This, this sermon was, uh, uh, was really like, uh, like the, the, I don't know, three starts of, of several sermons. And so I, I didn't realize this at a time. At the time, I thought I was getting three different sermons, but then the Lord kind of brought them all together. But this came to me earlier in the week, and I thought this was so good. The human heart was made only to possess him. Amen? Although God has given us choice, the human heart was made only to possess him. That's the only thing that will fill your heart. There's nothing else that will fill your heart truly. Now you will try, or humans try, to fill their hearts with many things. But those things will never fill those, their heart. It will always come up lacking. They'll always be hungry. Amen? And, and, and so we don't want to be those types of Christians. We don't want to be those types of people. We want to be people that get full, but get full on the right thing. The human heart was made only to possess him. Without his purpose in your life, your life is going to be empty. Amen? And this is why so many people, they just don't know what to do. They can get riches, they can get glory, they can get all the things that, that, that you could possibly think of, and they still find themselves lacking, they still find themselves not happy. And the reason for that is because there was only one thing that was ever meant to fill the human heart. There was only one thing that was ever meant to possess the human heart. And really, it's not a thing at all. It's, it, it, it's our, our Heavenly Father. Amen? So, praise God. So, understanding these things are, are very, uh, very important to us. Amen? And then another one that I want to bring up to you, another scripture that I want to, want to just bring before you is Isaiah 55, uh, verses 8 and 9. And, of course, we all probably know this scripture, but it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. <clears throat> For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so we see a very important truth in both of these scriptures. First of all, everything belongs to God anyways. You know, we, we can sit there and think, well, I want to do more with my time. Well, it's not really your time, it's God's time. He created it, he owns it, he created you, he owns you, but he's given you choice. But he still owns your time. He still owns your day. He still owns your life. He owns your, your, your breath. He owns your, uh, the, the energy that you use to get up out of bed. If you got up out of bed and if you didn't, you're not listening to me anyways, right? <laughs> 
Praise the Lord. And so, so whatever it was, uh, you, you know, whatever it was that empowers us, the food, the sustenance you took in, God owns all that. Amen? The energy that it created, God owns that. That belongs to him. And so that's a very important thing for us to understand. But with that, we also need to understand that his thoughts are not our thoughts. And this is why the Bible speaks so much about renewing our mind. Because when we renew our mind, what we're doing is essentially this, is we're looking at the thoughts that we've had as not being God, and looking to the thoughts that he has, recognizing that they're greater than our thoughts. And the other thing we have to understand is just because you would do something, or you might want something, doesn't mean God would do it, or God would want it. And so often, a lot of people are doing this with the Bible. <clears throat> I'm going to get back to that in a minute. Actually, no, I'm going to say this right now. Praise the Lord. When we deal with the Bible, uh, there, there, there's, there, there's, there's kind of two things we can see here. There's, uh, there's statements of facts and there's statements of opinions. Whenever somebody presents scripture to you, they're going to either talk about it in light of facts and truth or they're going to talk about it in light of opinion. Now, why does this matter? Because all of these things, whether whatever we embrace is fact, whatever we embrace is truth, this becomes our thought processes. And if, if, if what we're embracing is God's truth is really not God's truth at all, then what we've embraced is more humanity, of humanity's thinking. And so it harkens right back to Isaiah 55, 8, which says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. And then he goes on, of course, in verse 9, to tell us that those thoughts are much higher than ours, right? So when I say statements of facts versus statement of opinion, we must be careful when we speak of fact, because anything written, not written in Scripture is not fact. Amen? And it's so easy as Christians, as believers, as whatever, it's so easy to, to get filled with opinions, traditions, things that aren't necessarily based in truth. You know, my wife and I have, have been doing this over the past few years. We've been taking, of course, I've been a Christian many, many years longer than her even. But we've been both been Christians for quite a while. And in that time, you know, there's, there, there's ideas that you form, right? Uh, we actually speak these ideas out in what my wife and I like to, to, to call Christianese, right? You always say things like, we're blessed. You know, that's a Christianese kind of thing to say, you know. Some people will say, oh, that person's anointed or this person's anointed. That's a Christianese kind of thing to say. What do I mean Christianese? I mean, somebody outside of Christian, Christendom wouldn't understand what the heck is being said. They wouldn't understand the language that's being used, right? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. And so we, we want to be speaking a language that, that, that is right, though, when we speak. Uh, you know, it's, I always think it's funny that people, you know, back in the day, there was a time period. I don't know if it's so much important or popular anymore, but there was a time that people would get tattoos that would have, like, Chinese symbols. And, and I, I've seen things before where Chinese people have laughed at them because, you know, you go to the tattoo shop and they'd have all these symbols there and, and they'd say, this is what this one means. And so they get a tattoo that said that they thought meant like joy or sort of strength or something like that. And it really meant it was like like number five on the Chinese takeout menu. You know what I mean? And so like, the, you know, things like that, you, you know, because they don't understand the, the true language. They, and so we can get caught up in Christianese and say things without even really realizing what what, what it is we're saying in the first place. We don't want to be those people. We want truth. And what we see in the world, what I've seen so much in the world, is just a lack of truth. When you see the problems in the, that exist in the world, what it is, it's a lack of God's truth. It's a lack of God's light on the inside of them. And so this can make us more compassionate towards people when we understand these things. But God's ways are higher than our ways. See, we would do it this much, but God's going to do it way, way, way up there. Amen? And so why we want to reach for God's standard is so we can understand, so we can do all this. Amen? And, and this is all about being possessed by God. See, God wants us to be full of him. Now, God, the, the interesting thing is, is just the amount of God that he has for us to be filled with, he's made the perfect amount of space on the inside of you to be filled with that amount of God. There's been plenty of times I'm thinking, man, God really wanted me to be filled. Amen? Praise the Lord. He really wanted me to be filled with his goodness. That's why, that's, that, that's why I am the way I am. Amen? Oh, praise the Lord. Because I can put some food away, especially when it comes to a Chinese buffet. Amen? That's why I have to stay away from them, because it just doesn't go good for me any time. But uh, anyways, that's for you no charge. You tell them hungry, right? 
<laughs> Praise the Lord. But this is what we need to understand. There's not room for both of us and God. There's no room in you for you and God. And so you can't have your ways and God's ways. Now, does that mean that if you have some of your ways that God will not let you have any of his ways? No, it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, I would say most Christians live in this place of having a little bit of God, but a lot of bit of them. A little bit of God, a lot of bit of them. And you can tell, see this a lot by their actions, the way people live, the way, the way they go about their lives, you know, what their focus is, what their, what their drive is, and, and even just what they do, even if you don't see their focus laid out before you, but you see, you know, this is their life, this is what you see. You can see, is this person full of a lot of God or a little God, amen? And when I mean a little God, I don't mean like God's small, you know, he isn't, uh, you know, oh, he's not a wee God, he's not a leprechaun God, we don't have a leprechaun God, we got a, we got a Bigfoot God, amen? Praise the Lord. And so, uh, uh, I don't know if anyone's used that, uh, but I now have. Amen? Praise the Lord. So if you want to quote me, God is like a Bigfoot God. He's like a Sasquatch God. Amen? He's big and mythical. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Uh, mythical, not in the sense, now I'm going to stop while I'm ahead because I'm just going to get myself in trouble. I'm going to get on the message, but praise the Lord. But God wants us to be full of him. There isn't room in us, in our hearts, so to speak, there isn't room in our hearts for, for all of us and all of God. And this is what God really desires. Out of all the possessions of the earth, out of all the things that God has made and God has made them all, they all belong to him. All of them. Every single one of them. Go out there and find a, 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 a rock in the driveway. It belongs to God. Go out there and dig a hole in the backyard and find a big lump of gold. It belongs to God. Just as much. And it means the same to him. Yeah. Gold to God or a rock to God is nothing. Right. Do you understand? Yeah. He's made them both. They both belong to him. But there's one thing that only belongs to God by our choice or by the choice of something else, someone else. And that's the heart of man. Yeah. Each one of us has to decide, does God get our heart or are we keeping it? And we decide that not one time when you said a prayer because somebody told you to raise your hand in church and if you say this prayer, you get saved. That's fine. You can get saved and you can be saved all through uh, eternity just by making a decision. I'm not taking that away from you. <clears throat> but just because you get saved does not mean that God gets your heart. Just because you learn who Jesus is does not mean that God gets your heart. Just because you serve in your local church does not mean that God gets your heart. Just because you read your Bible does not mean that God gets your heart. Just because you pray does not mean that God gets your heart. Just because you do all these things does not mean that God gets your heart. I've done all these things and found out in different places where God didn't have my heart because he revealed it to me. You know, the wonderful thing about following after the Lord is that he will lead you and guide you. And if you're really hungry for him, he will slowly take you down this path of figuring out how to make you better. Because that's exactly what he wants to do. But it's a heart issue, and it's a heart issue first. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now we're going to actually turn to some scripture, because I know that's what you wanted to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. The scripture is good. Turn with me to Matthew 12. I mean, we've read scripture, which is good. But we're going to look at it together, because it's always good to see it in your Bible. Amen. Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45. Amen. 43 through 45. I know it's in here, so there it is. And Jesus was speaking here. And he said, Now when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, um, when, it, when, it, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places, seeking seeking rest, and it does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes, uh, takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in, there, go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with this evil generation." 
Now, this is a, a, a really interesting uh, set of scriptures. And, of course, most often when people talk about these scriptures, they, they talk, uh, they're referring to some sort of demon possession and, and stuff like that. And, of course, this can apply to those things. It really does apply to those things. But there's actually a greater meaning than just being demon-possessed. You know, there's a greater thing that was going on here. Actually, if you understand, if you kind of read in context what was going on here, really what Jesus was addressing was the Pharisees of the time. Now, the Pharisees, if you don't remember, um, I'm going to tell you. If you do remember, then I'm going to just remind you of it. But the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the time. They were the ones, uh, the religious, we could say it this way, the religious people of the time. They're the ones that should know. They're the ones that should have recognized Jesus, and we know the story. They didn't. They're the ones, or they refused to. They're the ones that should have received that Jesus was God, was the Messiah, but as we remember the story, they didn't. Amen. And so uh, what really, what Jesus is referring to here, actually, is he's referring to them. But he's also teaching us some biblical truths about how things work. Amen. And, and, and these are, uh, 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 th th this is really what we want to draw out. Now I want uh, uh, to point to a few things here. Uh, number one, I want to point to the fact that it says when an unclean spirit. You know, there's a difference between something that's clean and unclean. And an unclean spirit is something that, 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 that uh, is going to soil the area it is. It's in it, right? Again, you know, I, I was just in New York City, so I can't help but think about unclean. Amen. That's not the right reason I met the, or wrote this uh, or put together this message. But I was there and, it's, and it was very dirty. When we got home, it was very exciting, very cool. There was a lot of good things to see. But I was very happy when we got home. It was nice to breathe air that was fresh. And when I mean fresh, I'm not just talking about exhaust-laden air because you know what? They can put all the, all the exhaust things on cars. They can completely eliminate emissions from cars. And New York City will still stink. Because the biggest stink in New York City is not the exhaust, it's the people people it's the people it is what is it it's the people that go to the bathroom on the streets it's the people that uh, throw garbage all over the place it's the people that uh, are, are sweaty and lots of them in fact we were walking through Times Square at one point and I and I thought I had these thoughts to myself I was like it's no wonder COVID spread here so quick because of how jam-packed the people were and and just just uh, amazed to see that but you know what else the Lord speaks to me about? And he always speaks to me when I go to places like this. I love it. You know, the Lord has a plan for every one of those people. And it's amazing to see a mass of people in that one kind of setting all at one time. And the reason it's so amazing is because you look at them and you think, I could never reach every one of these people. I could even reach a few of these in my lifetime. And yet God has a plan and a purpose and a desire for each heart that was beating in that city. And he does in this city or this town as well. And this, uh, I guess it's a city. Uh, we're on the outskirts here. But, you know, he, th that's the way our Lord is. That's the way he is everywhere. He has a desire for that heart, those human hearts. Amen. And really what these scriptures here are talking about is the, the, the possession of the human heart. It's talking about that place of the, the human heart. When it says it goes, a spirit goes out of a man, it means like when it's driven out of the heart of man. And then he comes back and he finds this place clean. But I love what it says here too and I want to point this out it says when it comes when it comes it finds it unoccupied and that is a very interesting thing yeah. it finds it unoccupied see in reference to the Pharisees again here the religious people they were clean they had the they, they had everything in order they did their religious duties they knew the law they followed the law they ha had held others to the law they judged the law they judged others by the law and so we see all these things that they did they were the clean ones they were the ones that wore the big robes and they had the phylacteries the things that were tied around their arms or whatever it was and they you know that showed how how much they prayed and they had prayers that's what a philanthropy is in case you didn't know it's a little band that they tie around box it's down a band that they tie around their arm and there's prayers in it and and the bigger they would they would inf make these bigger because their prayers are bigger you know and and stuff like that and so you so you you they they had uh, the respect when they went into the into the streets and there was all these things about them that were what people want and what people thought should be but Jesus has said, and Jesus is using this to refer to them, he's speaking about these, these, uh, the, these uh, things that have been made new or, or look to be new, and they've been swept and clean, but they're empty, they're unoccupied. 
See, the, 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 the Pharisees, they never could, they never were opened their hearts to the Lord. And if we're not careful as Christians, we'll do the same thing. We can go through the motions. We can be baptized. In fact, I've baptized many people over the years. We're gonna, it still amazes me. We have fairly, uh, you know, not huge congregations, but still every year since, uh, other than the first year, and only because we didn't offer it, but other than the first year, every year we've baptized people. And it just amazes me that there's always somebody else to baptize in, you know, in, in small towns and stuff. But there is. And, and I remember there was this one particular time where there was this lady who had struggled with a lot of things, and really what she was struggling with was sin. She was struggling with her sin, the sin that she loved, but in, in really what she was struggling with was not so much the sin as she was the, the effects of the sin. Yeah. She didn't like the effects of it. And as a pastor, I've got to know a lot of people like that. They don't like the effects of the sin. It's not the sin they hate. They hate the effects of the sin. Yeah. Well, listen, brother, brothers and sisters, we can hate the effects of the sin. All, all of us should. But that doesn't do any good until we hate the sin. Because until we hate the sin, we don't stop and we keep having the effect. God doesn't whisk them away. Amen? But this woman, I remember she came out to be baptized. And every time I talk about baptism, I actually think about her. She doesn't go to the church anymore. My heart still goes out to her. I would love her to. But uh, uh, she, uh, 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 you know, she, every time I baptize, I think about this account. She walked out into the water and she's like, okay. Okay, okay. She's like, and she had been saved before. She had been a Christian and been in churches and stuff like that. But she said, okay, today's going to be a new day. It's going to be a new day. Like thinking that that act was going to do something to her. And that act of submersion did nothing to her. And see, so many people think that, and, and they think that way. They think, well, baptism, I don't know how I'm on this, but it's, I, I suppose it's going to help us because uh, it, it's, it's there, amen. But that, that act of baptizing, do you understand being submersed in water doesn't do anything other than get you wet? What the, being submersed is, is it's you declaring something but if the de declaration behind what you're declaring has no oomph, has no truth, has no, uh, no reality, then just simply being baptized means nothing. It only means something when you understand what it is. You're literally being baptized, you're, 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 you're being baptized, you're, you're dying to yourself, and you're being reborn. In, uh, the, it's, it's symbolic of being reborn into the kingdom of God. Filled with his spirit. Glory to God. In the, in the body of Christ. This is what it's, it symbolizes. But what happens if a person, uh, you know, like, you, if, if all of a sudden it started snowing, it's July, it started snowing, and you went out and stood there in the parking lot and were freezing, you're cold, or let's just say it started raining, it was a cold rain, you're standing out there in the parking lot and you're freezing and it's cold, and we're like, listen, just go inside where it's nice and warm and the, it's dry, and you just stood out there freezing. See, this is what a lot of people do. They get saved. They, 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 they accept what God has done. They recognize it. They maybe even get dunked. Hallelujah. And I'm not saying, I'm not making light of baptism. Baptism is important because of what it symbolizes. But if, it, if there's not more behind it than just the, the event, then there's nothing behind it at all. You know, <clears throat> praise the Lord. And so we have to understand these things. And these people, they looked the part, but man, they, Jesus was saying they're not. And it was like the, the second state of them, the last state of them. And of course, we can use this for demon possession as well. But again, we're not doing that. Now, I want to read to you out of a commentary because I, I, I saw this <clears throat> when I was in my study. And I just <clears throat> it just really blessed me. Amen. It says, uh, so of course, he's, it's referring to the Pharisees. But, he's, but the, the commentary says this. There is also a, a personal application. It is not enough to clean house. We must also invite in the right tenant. The Pharisees were proud of their clean houses, but their hearts were empty. Mere religion or reformation will not save. Mere religion or reformation will not save. There must be regeneration, the receiving of Christ into the heart. We cannot be neutral about Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, this is not a one-time act. This is a daily act. Sometimes it's moment to moment. This is not something that we get to choose once. Yes, choose Jesus once and God will come in and you know, he'll save you. I believe that. But, but there's more to this life than just choosing Jesus once. Yeah. How about choosing him every day? Mm -hmm. 
being full of God. See, so many people, the, 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 former, the latter state is worse for them because even though they've gotten saved, even though they've come to church, even though they've partaken of these things to a point, they've never given their heart to the Lord. There's this example of this, this person that I, I, I was mentoring for a while. And my heart still really goes out to this person. And uh, my, my heart was really to help them. And, uh, uh, you know... Uh, for years, I, I, I labored with them, and, and it was a lot of work sometimes, you know. There was a lot of things involved in it, drugs and stuff, not that, you know, you know they were an addict and stuff like that. And, and um, But I'll never forget this moment where uh, towards, the, towards the end of them still being around and partaking of the church, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> the Lord said to me, spoke to me this, because I was kind of seeking the Lord, what's going on with them? Why? There was change, and now there isn't change, and it almost seems like regression, right? Uh, or digression, whatever. You understand what I'm talking about. And, 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 and I, I was asking, seeking the Lord on it, and this is what I heard in my spirit. I heard, he never fell in love with me. I think that's the way it came to me. He never fell in love with me. And what I realized is this. Is see, we can sit there and preach the word, and as a pastor, this is maybe one of the most heartbreaking things. One of the hardest things to deal with as a pastor is you will preach the word, you will counsel many people, you will, over the years of being a pastor, you will give them the word and give them the word and give them the word. And in, in that time, you have this realization that not everybody's going to take it. Some people, they like the fellowship aspect of it. Some people like the, uh, they, they, they like the, uh, the, you know, maybe they're lonely, so they like not being lonely anymore. Uh, maybe they like uh, some kind of community, and so now they've got a community. They like that about religion. Or, or, or maybe, you know, maybe uh, in some miraculous way, the Lord uh, did answer a prayer for them right, right at the onset of their faith. And so that, they, you know, they love the fact that they could go to God and get answered prayers. And all of these things are wonderful things. I'm not making light of any of these things. But none of those things can hold our heart. None of those things can fill our heart. And until people understand that their hearts need to be filled with Christ, yeah. truly filled with Christ, yeah. they're lost. But yet what we see in the world is even in the church, even in the church, even with good Christians, we see them filling themselves with what the world has to offer, not with what God has to offer. And this is what God is calling us to. I believe in this time is what God is calling us back to. Is like, listen, I'll take care of you. I'll bless you. All of those things, just get that stuff out of your mind. Focus on me. You know, uh, people talk about tribulation and stuff like that, and I've been in conversations even this week about tribulation and stuff like that, you know, the, these things that people go through. And I've talked about uh, many times the, the, the things that the, you know, the early Christians went through, horrific things they went through. And, and, and these things seem pretty scary. And you know why they seem scary? Because your heart hasn't been fully filled with Christ yet. Now, maybe it's just that much that hasn't gotten filled yet. But fill it. I'm encouraging you to fill it. Because this is what we understand. See, uh, the Bible tells us in 1 John that perfect love casts out fear. In fact, it tells us that he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And what does that mean? It means that if fear is there, then the, per the, the love has not had its perfect work in you. And so you need to rid yourself of the things that cause the fear and allow the things that cause the love of God to increase in you. Amen. And of course, you know, you're not going to do that on your own. We talk about that through church, you know, coming, uh, praise the Lord, coming together, I should say. Church meaning when God's people come together, not necessarily being in a church building or whatever. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's not enough to accept religion or spirituality. One must be born again. Now, this is, this is something that Jesus talked about. And we're going to see it. Actually, let's just go ahead and pull it up here. John 3.3. 3. This is, of course, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus was what? Does anyone know? He was a Pharisee, right? And so he's talking to Nicodemus, and he says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I, tell, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I believe that there's multiple meanings to this and multiple understandings of the ability to see the kingdom of God. Of course, we understand the most basic of seeing the kingdom of God in this verse as being a sal uh, salvation-type verse, right? That, that, that seeing uh, the kingdom of God would mean that when we die, we get to go to heaven. But Jesus also told us that the kingdom of God was already present. 
we understand that the kingdom of God is present right now today. Right? If we have any believers in here, the kingdom of God is present. And so we understand that that's, that's going on as well. But there has to be this, 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 this regeneration that, was talk, that, that, that they had mentioned. Regeneration is an important thing. Now, I actually looked that word regeneration up. And as I saw, the word that's translated regeneration, at least in my Bible, only appears twice. And one of the places we're going to get to here in a minute. But uh, we're, we, we want to understand, before we get there, what does this mean unless one is born again? Amen. So what is born again? Literally, uh, in some translations, it literally says, bo or born from above. Amen? So, so that's, a pretty, uh, that, that, that's a pretty important thing. Uh, so we understand that it's not just, you know, because Nicodemus even asked the question, right? He said, he said, how could one enter his mother's womb and be born again? But that's not what God was talking about. He was talking about being born from above. Amen? Now, uh, is this... Uh, idea of being born in I looked up in a concordance and this was really interesting I found in a Jewish Jewish sense now this is I want I want to say this because this is what's so amazing about the Bible this is so amazing uh, what's so amazing about what God did do you know when Jesus was here and the things that were accomplished actually all the things that God accomplishes actually has its place in history in other words what he was doing is he was not just giving us a way of salvation but he was answering traditions of the Jews. He was dealing with the Jews. And so when he said things, sometimes he said things specifically. That's why sometimes when we read them, we're like, well, what, what exactly did they mean by that? See, we didn't really understand because we didn't understand their customs, but they did know their customs. And that's why it's helpful to us when we go back and we learn our Bible and we learn about the customs and stuff like that. Not because we want to go do the customs, but so we can understand the word better. It makes more sense to us. This is actually a really good way of learning how to translate the word. You know, a lot of people say, oh, the Bible's subject to interpretation. No, it ain't. It's, it's subject to the interpretation that God meant, but we have to understand what God meant before we can interpret it. And the only way you can understand that is you've got to understand who he was talking to. Amen? Well, praise God. Hallelujah. But there was a Jewish sense in this word being born. A word, so when he said this word born again, he, Nicodemus would have understood. The other Jews that were present would have understood exactly what was being said. Amen? And, and, and this is what, in a Jewish sense, it meant, meant this, of one who brings others over to his way of life. Amen? Amen? Or to convert someone. That's what it also means. And then it, for us, it translates into this, of God making men and women his sons through faith in Christ's work, right? And so we, we, there's a correlation between the, the, the Jews understood being born again, or they understood that idea of being born or the word that was being used. And we can understand it. We understand it in our way, but it's helpful for us to look at it the way the Jews, because the Jews saw it as this. These two ways are not opposite from one another. There's a correlation in them for a reason. They connect for a reason, and that connection is this, to bring others over to the, another way of life. And so when Jesus was saying that uh, unless uh, you, uh, one is born again, or in other words, unless they have been uh, brought over into this other way of life, right. amen, yeah. praise the Lord, they will not see the kingdom of God. Now what does that mean? How many people don't, they, they just can't see God working? How many Christians can't see God working in their life? It's because they've never been brought over into that way of life. Does this make sense? Yeah. That they, you see, so many people, we, 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 we want to hold on to who we were so desperately, which is so foolish because who we are were never worked anyways. Otherwise, we would have never been looking for another way. If, if we could be saved by ourselves, we never would have needed another way. Amen? But Jesus, God knew, and Jesus knew that we needed this. And so to be born again literally is to be brought over into another way of living, another kind of life. It's a God life. It's a life that he talked about in John 10, 10, right? That he, uh, that he has come to give us an abundant life. Amen? And, and so we understand these things when we look at the scriptures. When God is talking about life, he's talking about this new life, the life that we should live. And that is a choice, but it is a choice that will be negated. It's only negated by one thing, your desire to hang on to it. You remember Jesus said that whoever, uh, uh, whoever tries to hold his life or gain his life will lose it? 
but ever, whoever loses his life for my sake or the gospel's will keep it? What is he talking about? He's talking about just that. You can't live in this world as a good Christian holding on to your old life. Now I know you're thinking just what I'm thinking. Well, I don't do the things I used to do. You're right. By and large, the real obvious things, you don't do them anymore. It's easy for me not to sin the way most of the world does. It's not even an issue anymore. I mean, I used to be so wrapped up, and it's not even an issue anymore. You don't see me going to a bar and sitting down and, and, and doing that, or out smoking, you know, doing drugs or whatever anymore. You don't see me doing any of that stuff. Why? It's not hard for me to not do it anymore. Well, maybe some days. <laughs> you know, some days it's like, oh, just, I just want to stay. You know what I'm saying. Let's just be real, right? But, but you know, uh, by and large, but I don't, so I don't because, you know, you know. It's, it's not hard for me to not cheat on my wife. Right. And it's not hard for me to not go out and fornicate right. or commit adultery or do these other things. It's not hard, right? right? But that doesn't mean that I'm perfect. Right. Don't say right A too. That was like, that, that had a strong amen behind it. That had an amen push. Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. But... It doesn't mean that I'm perfect, and it doesn't mean you're perfect. The things that trip us up are not the things we're doing right, and we have to understand that. Going to church is not the thing that's causing you problems in life. Reading your Bible and praying, when you do it, those aren't the things that are causing problems in your life, right? Being good to people when you're good to people, or if you give in an offering, or you, you help someone out, those aren't the things that are causing issues in, their, in your life. So you can immediately mark those off the list when you're trying to figure out why your life's such a mess. Right? You can immediately mark off, well, it ain't going to church. That ain't making me bad. It ain't reading the Bible. That ain't making me bad. Right? As Christians, we should just understand that. Right? Well, we shouldn't have this bad, oh, maybe, may, maybe it's going to church that, <coughs> excuse me, maybe it's going to church that's, that, that's, that, that's making my life such a mess right now. It's not that. It's where you're still holding on to you. It's where you won't let go of that thing, glory to God, that you know what it is, and maybe you don't, but you probably do, that thing that you just won't let go of. Yeah. Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe it's an attitude. You know how many times the Lord will bring me out of my comfort zone? Now, I'm not going to pretend, I'm not going to start shouting out a bunch of things, but you all know what makes you uncomfortable. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if you truly want to serve God, you are going to have to face that animal and you're going to have to give your heart over to Jesus in it. You are going to be tested in that area. And it's in those areas because the easy areas got cleaned up first. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Amen. Man, I'm telling you what. If you, put, if you put lima beans and you put chocolate cake on my plate, I can tell you which one will be gone completely. <laughs> and I can tell you what's going to, going to remain. Because it's not the lima bean, but the chocolate cake, although it blesses me in the moment, although it's easy to, to take down in the moment, that's not the thing that's going to cause me longevity. Lima beans won't either because I ain't ever going to eat them. But you understand what I'm getting at, amen? Uh, you, you know, it's those things that, uh, uh, and, and there's a lot of vegetables that just make me gag. I'm just going to be honest with you. I just gag eating them. But those are the things that are going to make me do better those are, or live better, right? It's not the chocolate cake, although it makes me happier while I'm living. It doesn't necessarily do But see, it's the same thing with God. The easy things, they, they, we just clean those up and we think, okay, now I'm good, right? Because we're not giving much thought to those other things. But it's those mindsets, those attitudes. I remember uh, my pastor used to say it like this, and, and, and this actually has helped me over the years. He said, you know, don't ever say that you won't do something for God. Or don't, or, or don't ever say, yeah, you won't do something for God because, or do something because surely God will end up making you have to do it. And I have learned this in my own life. I'm trying to be as open as I can about everything. But I even found like that sometimes, even, even when you do that, you know, you get good and consecrated and you say, okay. I know this. I don't want to be made to do this, so I'm going to volunteer to do it. I'll tell the Lord, I'll do this, Lord, if you want me to, but I'm only going to do it if you want me to. Do you know how many times I've done even that? And the Lord said, yep, I want you to. Yeah. Why? Because even though I've consecrated myself, I still haven't done it yet. Yeah. I still haven't proven myself. Yeah. 
But see, it's those areas, it's those dark recesses, it's those things that we didn't even tell our friends. It's those things that we didn't even, those things where we won't even pray out loud, we try to use the mind prayer, you know what I mean? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You don't want to say it out loud, so you're just going to pray to God in your mind. All right, God, here we go. Telling you all the things that I, I, I don't want to do, amen? Well, see, we want to be full of God. But I don't want you to walk away from this also being condemned or feeling condemned because this is a process. But it's a process, and God's okay with the process. He's okay it doesn't happen overnight. The hard things, he's okay. You know, uh, he's okay if you have to sit at the dinner table a little bit longer to get it swallowed because he knows it'll bless you, right? And he wants you blessed. But, uh, but he wants you in the process, and so we have to be willing for the process. We have to be willing to allow things to be worked out of us. Amen? Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. So we have a concept of what's being born again. And I want to go to Titus because uh, Titus, not, uh, yeah, because Titus, uh, Titus will surely tell us something we need to know here. Actually, what we're going to be talking about is this idea of, being re, uh, re, of regeneration. Regeneration can also be uh, uh, looked at kind of in light of, like, renewing. You know, like when we talk about renewing the mind, it means that we need a regenerated mind. Why? Because the old mind is full of a lot of things. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, I'm, I like to think about things. Now, just because I'm a thinker doesn't make me overly intelligent. It just means that I fill my head with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Amen? But I have a tendency to fill my head with a lot of stuff. And a lot of the stuff I fill my head with, just to be quite honest with you, is not overly intelligent. But, <clears throat> nonetheless, that's, that's what we do, right? Praise the Lord. God, God will use you despite these things. He uses me despite these things. That's how I know. Amen? So if you find Titus, I still haven't yet because I'm way far past it. Amen? Titus and chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. But, uh, you know, our, our minds need to be regenerated, and we need to be regenerated. And really, we're regenerated by regenerating our minds. And how do we do that? We do that through the Word of God. When we, when we get the truth of God's Word in us, it changes things. It changes who we are. It changes how we perceive things. You know, I, I think about my life, and if you know me today, you, but didn't know me 25 years ago, you didn't know me 25 years ago, even remotely the same. I wasn't even anywhere close to the same. You know, to, to, to know me 25 years ago, um, I was not somebody who was thought of as being a very, uh, a, a very good uh, member of society, to say the least. Uh, you know, would have been considered more in the realm of a dirtbag or scumbag. That's the way that I lived. And it's just the absolute truth. I'm not saying it to be mean or, or even to knock myself. It wasn't, certainly wasn't how my mother raised me. But it was the life that I kind of went down, the place that I went to. The, you know, I, I've said that I've had my arms wrapped around toilets I wouldn't even sit on today. And there's, that's an absolute truth. And that's the life that I lived. That's, that's where I had found myself. But why did I find myself there? My mom didn't raise me that way. I had a level of faith in me from the beginning, and that certainly didn't lead me that way. It wasn't, going, it wasn't my grandparents taking me to church when I was 10 that led me to, to live that life. But what was it? It was this. Yeah. It, was certain, it was allowing thoughts that got into here to change who I was. Now, the reason they changed who I was is because I'm not, I'm not equating this to some kind of like metaphysical thing or I'm not trying to make this some kind of new age thing. That's not what I'm talking about. But the Bible does say that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And what is, what is it talking about? Really, the idea, the concept in Scripture is that if you think wrong, you will act wrong. Or if you think right, you will act right. Amen? Or will be at least more likely to do so. And so the reason I was the way that I was was because I thought the way that I did. The reason I am the way that I am is because I think the way that I do. Now, what you may ask yourself, what is the difference between the way that you thought and the way that you think? The way that I think is not the way that I thought because the way that I think now is according to Scripture. Now, I knew some Scripture. I could quote John 3.16 just like everybody else in the world can. 
Even unbelievers know John 3.16. They don't know why, but they know it, right? And so, like, everybody, because it's on doilies, it's on pillows, it's on posters, it's, you know, it, it's wherever. It's tattooed on New Age Baptists, right? I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Praise the Lord. It's just, you, you, you know what I mean? We, well, praise the Lord. We're going to want to reach everybody. We ain't going to keep anybody, anybody behind the eight ball, right? You know, when I wanted to get tattoos, I did that. That's what I did. I went and got tattoos, but I was a Christian, so I didn't know if it was allowed or not. So I just got Christian-type tattoos, and I figured that was okay, and that's what I did. So I got all Christian-type tattoos. So that, that, that's how I... Now, I'm not saying go out and do it, and if, and if you got to go out and do it, I'm not telling you not. You decide between you and God what you want to do. That's between the two of you, right? I'm not going to comment on that today. I'm just saying what I did, don't do it. Because it probably wasn't good because I was doing it and the frame of mind that I was doing it in wasn't a renewed frame of mind. I know this, that I wouldn't do it right now and I'm not, again, I'm not saying that it's completely wrong or whatever. I'm not judging that. I'm just saying I wouldn't personally because my mind thinks differently than it did. And maybe it's just because my mind thought like I should then that it thinks that I shouldn't now. And that's a possibility. Who knows? God's got to figure this one out. But the truth of the matter is, is sometimes things become un unclean to you because you were accepting them when you were unclean. Yes. Right? Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, that was a whole lot. I don't know how I got all that out. I don't even know how I got into it, but we did. So praise the Lord. Uh, Titus 3, verse 3. Uh, it says here for... For we also, uh, we, for we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Like, think about all that stuff. I want, I want to start that over just because I, 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 want, I want you to think about that after I said think about that. Think about this. For we also once were, once were, right? That, that's behind you, right? That's before, that's a go, in case you didn't know. Not to go, a go, right? Praise the Lord. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Now, I want to stop here for a second because sometimes people get caught up in this whole deeds versus non-deeds, right? There are some Christians say you've got to have deeds for salvation. Some will say you don't need to because Listen, you don't need deeds to be saved, but if you're saved, you need deeds. They're, 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 like this, the, the non-deeds are not going to keep you out of heaven, but you got to ask if you're truly saved if there's no deeds. Why? Because if the love of Christ is shed abroad in your hearts as the Bible says it is, there should be something that wants to do something different on the inside of you. Maybe you didn't do it, but you should at least want to do something different. There should at least want to be something there, right? Amen. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So we see this regeneration happening and this renewing, right? Whom he poured out, he poured out his Holy Spirit upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, right? So that being justified by his grace, we're justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. Right? These things are good and profitable for men. We are not saved by our deeds. Your deeds can't save you. can't do enough good stuff to get into heaven. Aren't you glad? Right? Because Jesus came despite you not being able to do enough good stuff to get into heaven and did enough good stuff to get you in heaven. Amen? So that's all we need. He gave it to us. He gave us the right. He gave us the title deed. He gave us the way in. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the door. He gave us all the things that we would ever need to get to heaven. But then he also told us to do something. And that something is to fill ourselves with him. 
When we fill our hearts with the love of Christ, we fill ourselves with Christ himself. And when we do that, we can't not do good deeds. We have to do good deeds. In fact, if we're not doing good deeds, we have to ask ourselves, who are we allowing to fill our hearts? What are you full of? Now, in reference, we're thinking back to Matthew, when he talked about the house being swept and clean, and the Spirit comes back and finding it unoccupied. How many Christians' hearts are unoccupied? Because they've filled it with other things. How many people's shelves, how many Christian shelves have a bunch of stuff on it, but it isn't Jesus? It isn't the Holy Ghost? You understand what I'm getting at here? But the Bible says something interesting back there in Matthew. It says that the final state of that man is worse than the first. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go to hell. That's not what I'm preaching here today. But it can mean this, that you live hell on earth. And see, so many people, they live hell on earth not because of opposition. You know, actually, the Lord was kind of showing me that because I, I, I was, uh, just before we went to New York City, you know, there's been a lot of things that have been said about New York City, you know, and, and, and almost everybody that asks us questions that don't normally travel asks us the same question. We had this question uh, probably at least half a dozen times in the past few days. Was it dangerous? And I suppose the answer to that could be yes. And so I was thinking about that because then we were thinking about that going, what's it going to be like? Or actually, I was thinking about it more because I'm the one who dies first. Remember, that's how it works. I die so she can run, right? That's how it works when somebody, you know, if somebody can mug us or something, you know, that's, that's how it works. And so that's why I have to sleep by the door at the hotel room, right? So I die first so she can jump out the window while they're killing me. Uh, it's not going to happen, but you understand. You can't even get out the window anymore because in this country we've got to protect everything except for from muggers, but that's, that's, that's something totally different. Amen. But at any rate, praise the Lord. Um, so we're, we're thinking the same thing. You know, you hear all these stories. And, of course, you know, millions of people in this city, and you hear the, the, the stories. And there's definitely things out there, and you just got to know how to do stuff. Basically what you got to do is you got to learn how to stay out of danger, and you stay pretty safe that way if you know how to stay out of danger. But the reason that I'm bringing this up is because of this, because I was thinking to the Lord about these things, and the Lord just, just before we went uh, was dealing with me on some of this stuff. In fact, what the Spirit said to me was to go forward in faith, right? And that was, I thought that was pretty good, to go about my day in faith, you know, and then afterwards recapping it. I didn't even think about this, but I was recapping this, and I was thinking, well, what's the difference, Lord? Because people, you know, we see Paul, he got into trouble and stuff like that. Yeah, they, they suffered for the work of the gospel. The Bible tells us that we'll, we might have to suffer for the work of the gospel, but it doesn't have to tell us that we have to be afraid of every mugger that walks down the street. The Bible does tell us that God will protect us, that he will keep us lest we dash our foot against the stone, right? The 91st Psalm tells us that. And, and those things, do those things still apply? Sure they do apply. What's that talking about? We can trust God as we're going about our life. We don't have to go about in fear and of these things. Now, if you have an unction on the inside of you that tells you not to do something, don't go full bore at it. You know what I mean? I guess I would stop. Praise the Lord, because that might be the Lord telling you, or if, you know, if common sense told you, or whatever, there's lots of other things. But the, the point that I'm trying to bring up is that, but that, that, that we have to have a certain assurance in God going forward in these things. Amen? Because yeah. that's profitable for God, so, or profitable in God, and so uh, profitable for men. And so as we, uh, as we do what we're doing, how are we doing them? When we're full of God, see, things go a lot better for us. Yes, there will be opposition, but the opposition probably mostly that we're going to see is opposition against our faith. Now, that can just appear. It doesn't mean you necessarily had to do something, but you'll have a way of dealing with it. But what it means that we also have is we also have a, to, to, we, we can trust God to, to, to be good in our lives because God is good. And that he'll take care of us and he'll watch out for us. I don't have to be afraid of my kids every second that I turn my head because I'm not watching over them. Because here's the truth. All the watching over your kids can't always stop you from, from, from all the trouble in the world happening. And we know that if we think rationally, right? Uh, uh, so, so, but we don't need to get all worked up in that. We don't need to be worried as we go about this life when we live for Christ. But when we don't, we open ourselves up to a whole world, a whole heap of trouble. Glory to God. And so this is a real strong argument to live for Jesus, filled with Jesus. 
See, I live for Jesus, and I'm telling you, there's a certain confidence. There's been a regeneration in my mind. I don't walk around in fear, and if fear rises up, I say, I don't have any reason to fear. How do I overcome those things? See, I didn't live that way before I lived in anxiety. I lived in squalor. I lived in, in terrible anxiety. Scared all the time. Fearful of things that didn't even matter. Fearful of things that didn't exist. Just fearful for fearful sake. Does anyone know what anxiety is? I mean, I, I mean, I was full of it. I was hospitalized twice for it. Mental breakdowns. I've had these. I understand. Uh, like, like, like legit. I'm not talking about like somebody who just has a bad day and says, oh, I had a mental breakdown. No, I mean, I was legit hospitalized for these things. You understand? I had, I had doctors like, you know, watching over me, you know, putting me in a room without furniture so I wouldn't hurt myself. Things like that. That's, that's kind of state of mind. I don't live that way anymore. I don't go to that place anymore. Why? Because I've been regenerated. Christians, what we need is regeneration. We need to fill ourselves with the life of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. We have to give ourselves. We have to be fully possessed by him. It's a choice that we make and only us. Amen? Remember what I said, and this was, this was great revelation, but it's truth. The only thing that God wants is the one thing he won't take. It's the only thing that we can offer him. In fact, you can offer God nothing else. Do you know that? You can offer God, you have nothing to offer God that's valuable to him except for your heart. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Revelation, I'm just going to close with this, so we're going to look at it up here. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Amen? And so what this means is that we would have fellowship with God. He's knocking, he's knocking, he's knocking. He's always looking for that entrance. The question is, will you give it to him?